listening to the 4-7 Podcast, the podcast where two normal guys interview and reminisce about their favorite Christian artists from the 90s and today. Hey guys, Michael David here. Just want to say a quick hello to you guys. We are the 4-7 Podcast. You have me, Michael David. You have RJ, and we have a special guest Mr. Mark Roman from Sanctus Real. How are you doing today, Mark? Hey, I'm doing very good. Did I butcher guys? that last name? No, actually, you nailed it. So here's what, I, here's what, here's what I learned in public speaking. If you can't pronounce someone's last name, you go, Mr. Mark Roman, and you say it really fast and you mumble it. <laughs> no one knows what you said. That's, I actually learned that, that, that from a, I learned that from a Twix commercial, but... Yeah, let's see the mirror there. <laughs> I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed that you got that the first time because Mike is known for butchering first names. Yeah. Never mind the last yeah. name. So listen, I had a meeting today and someone goes to me. I had a meeting with a bunch of like uh it was like 20, 20 people, Zoom meeting. Person goes to me, Do you know who I am? I'm like, Yep, absolutely. Look, looked at the name Ingrid. <laughs> Got it right. <laughs> Boom. Two points for me. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, um, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Um, I know it's uh, been a crazy year for everybody. And to our benefit, a lot of bands want to talk to people. So um, we're happy that you're here. Um, but uh, just to give a little uh, background for people who are watching uh, and will watch, um, you are the drummer. Uh, from Sanctus Real, uh, but you do a bunch of other things too. Uh, you're a father, you're a, a husband, um, and you are a youth pastor, I think, still. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nice, nice. So, and you are out of uh, Ohio, um, but for, for people who don't know, you actually have been in the band since it started uh, back in 1996. Does that make you feel um, oh. old, 1996? Uh, still? <laughs> uh yeah you know it's we're finally getting to that stage where it's kind of like you know the little debate instantly goes off in your brain when people ask how long has your band been around you're tempted to lie (laughs) (laughs) oh love it yeah nice well uh let's get into it a little bit here so where did you grow up uh you know how did you get into music in the first place never mind sanctus real um and uh you know how, how did how did you start getting into music yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, it's a little mysterious even. Uh, I don't really know what uh, triggered this for me as a kid. But when I was about 10 years old, um, I, I started just kind of telling my parents and everyone that I was going to play the drums. And I don't really know why. Like, I, uh, I had an uncle who, well, I still have that uncle. Uh, but he played drums. uh for like, I don't know, a little, just a short amount of time. So, so I remember going to my grandma's house one time, there was a drum set in the garage and, you know, I watched him play it for a little bit and he let me bang on it for a minute. And, you know, that's the only time I can remember being around drums even. Uh, but I always loved music. I grew up listening to a lot of like, my dad listened to all sorts of classic rock stuff, you know? So as a kid, it was, you know, uh, CCR and Led Zeppelin and you know all these classic rock bands that I was way into Deep Purple you know stuff like that I was hearing my parents play uh 
yeah, just for whatever reason, I, I just always gravitated towards the rhythmic side of, of music and just always loved it. So yeah, started taking drum lessons when I was about 12 and um, yeah, now I'm 30 years older than that and still playing. <laughs> so you're 32. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Plus a decade. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark, I have a question for you. So you started with the classic rock, like Led Zeppelin and things of that nature. When did you start yeah. getting into the Christian side of the music? Um, so that for me happened when I was about 16. Uh, I mean, it really coincides with when I came to know the Lord. Uh, my family, we started going back to church when I was almost 16. Uh, and uh, it was really just kind of an interesting time period because I, you know, like I said, I grew up listening to music all the time and uh, had already been playing drums for a while there at that point. Um, and the, the church that we we started attending, you know, it was a real kind of contemporary style church. There was like a modern style worship band that played every Sunday with a drummer and whatnot. And so, uh, and then I, you know, I just kind of discovered this whole thing of Christian music. Like I, I literally didn't know it existed. You know, I, had, I think I had heard of Striper, but that was it. You know, <laughs> yeah. who are you listening to? Well, who, you're 16 years old. You just go back to church. Who are you listening to right now? Or back then? Uh, back then. So, you know, uh, so a lot of the kids in the church youth group, uh, they were all into what I guess would have been at that time, you know, again, this being like 1993, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of the, the popular Christian bands at that time were like the Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline, mm -hmm. the real Audio Adrenaline, the original yeah. Audio Adrenaline. Um, <laughs> Uh, DC Talk obviously was a big one, and you know just all those Stephen Curtis Chapman, all those iconic Christian artists that kind of started the whole CCM thing, or at least you know took it to a, a whole other level in that mid '90s era. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of you know I again I was always kind of the fringy rock and roll kid, so uh, you know I got introduced to Christian music through that, but then I started to discover like more of the under, underground, I guess, kind of Christian rock scene. And I started getting into bands like, uh, uh, like, uh, no, my mind's going blank. Like the prayer chain was a big one for me. And poor old Lou. The prayer chain was fantastic. Oh, they're excellent. Do you remember the intro? Uh -huh, yeah. I can't, well, I'm not even going to oh, do it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, see, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know, I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we have one guy named Danny who goes DC talk. One guy just ty typed in and goes DC yeah. talk with exclamation points. Yeah, DC talk is still. I feel like there's still a big deal, you know, to those who know, and you know they're kind of legendary to those who were maybe too young at that point when they were on their game. But you know they're they're still they did a couple of cruise ship things and sold them out. You know, it's like everybody loves DC talk. DC talk <laughs> one of those bands where. If they ever got back together, they would easily sell 500,000 copies. Not even, yeah. not even a question. They're one of those bands yeah. that just, uh, they just resonate with people. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely, God did something pretty special through those guys when they were kicking around. <laughs> so I'm going to get my music geekness out of here. So who, just so I, I'm going to get it, just get it out of the way here. So you look, you like the prayer chain. Who else was yeah. those underground rock groups that you were into back then? Oh man. You know, 
Johnny Q Public. Do you remember that? Yes. Band? Yes. That was that was a favorite of mine. I, I'll bet I saw those guys live probably ten or twelve times. They were actually uh, on Goatee Records for one album back in the day before mm-hmm. it was actually their last album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um uh Plank Eye was a big one for yes. me. Yeah. Love Plank Eye. They they actually uh, released quite a bit of albums on Tooth and Nail. Yeah, yeah, they hung in there quite a while. Um man, I'm trying to think Starflyer 59 was a big one. Mm-hmm. They've been around for years. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, I think he's still doing it, isn't he? He is, and actually, the brother um, Jason Martin is actually a pastor yeah. now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he's a pastor, and he actually had the side project Joy Electric. Remember that back? Oh, in the yeah, that was, they were great. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. project. Yeah, you know, they I didn't actually didn't do it till later, but yeah, uh, Joy Electric actually did a a remix of a Sancta song way early on. Really. Uh, yeah, there's a version on our on our first record that re- we released in 2002, uh, Say It Loud record. Uh, there was a song on there called Inspiration. And I don't know if you'd even be able to find it at this point, but there is a Joy Electric remix version of Inspiration out there somewhere. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So you grew up in uh, in Ohio. So are you – that's where I you did. started. Yeah, so, I did. Uh, yeah, and, and that's where uh, Sanctus Real started. Uh, so how did that opportunity come about? Um, and, and how did you end up, um, you know, finding these guys? Yeah, um, basically what happened was uh, the church that I grew up in, uh, every kid in that church, it wasn't a huge church by any means, but like every kid that was there was either homeschooled or they went to the local Christian high school, Toledo Christian. Um except for me and <laughs> me and my sisters, we were the only ones that were like public school kids there at our church. And so uh, the, all the other original members of the band um, went to Toledo Christian school. And so I had all these mutual friends with these guys. We all grew up at different churches, uh, but they all went to the same school together. They started leading worship for uh, the chapel chapel band for the school. And then that kind of led to them getting together after school and basically jamming. And uh, our guitar player, Chris Roman, is over at his house in the basement, his parents' basement. Uh, just so they would get together and they would learn what was cool on the alternative rock station at that time. So it was a lot of like Weezer, Foo Fighters, all these, you know, early kind of alternative rock stuff. And I got invited to go and uh, just jam with them in the basement one time. And, um, yeah, but they, they were already kind of a band. They had a, uh, a guy who was singing in the band and, um, our original lead singer, Matt Hammett was actually the drummer of their original band. Oh, uh, nice. and he was a pretty crappy drummer, but he was their drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that now, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so long story short, they, they ended up parting ways with the guy that was singing in the band at that time. Uh, and Matt wanted to sing cause he, you know, he was a great singer. And so then they needed a drummer and I got asked to kind of fill that role. And so, nice. and then, yeah, it was originally their band was called hello. My name is. And then, uh, when was I got that, involved, was that an ode to an Eminem song? Uh, it might've been too early. Yeah, I think it was too early, but <laughs> 
That'd be a better story. I don't know that there is a story about that name. <laughs> hey, listen, but, we got a question from Daniel Gibson. He writes, uh, yeah. Sanctus Reels cover of a beautiful day. He goes, I, I guess his band covered it as well. Um, let's see. How excited were you to get to cover a, a U2 song for charity? Oh, man. Well, first of all, I love that this guy is going way back like that. It's awesome to even know about that. <laughs> um, dude, we were uh, we were stoked when we got the call t- to be a part of that. The project, um, it was a project, project called uh, In the Name of Love, Artists United for Africa. And yeah, it was just yeah. all contemporary Christian artists covering U2 songs, but all the proceeds was, was going to help fight AIDS in Africa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was, you know, an honor and a privilege that, that happened right after we had put out our first record, um, the say it loud record. And, you know, we released a couple singles off that and then we were getting ready to do the next record and we were, you know, talking with the label about what producer to use and whatnot. Um, and so they, they were curious about us working with a producer named Ted T, uh, who's, you know, he's worked on all sorts of stuff. Most recently, he's probably most known for the for King Country stuff he's worked yeah. on. Um, but at that time, he had done a he had just finished doing like a Delirious record that we all really loved and stuff. And mm. so, anyways, so the idea was thrown out like let's let's see if Ted would be willing to do this cover song with them and see what happens from there. And so, yeah, we ended up getting to record "Beautiful Day" with Ted T. and it you know, we, we were really happy with how it came out. And then that led to us getting to record uh, our second record with him, which was called fight the tide, uh, which to this day, it's still kind of this one where you know, we still get people that come to show and they're like, Oh man, when I was in high school, fight the tide, that was my favorite record. That was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> kind of became this little cult classic, I think for early Sanctus fans. Yeah. Well, Danny says, uh, it was an awesome track and he actually likes yours version better than the original. Oh man. Danny's way Danny's way too nice. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> so uh I actually came in, I think it was on um uh Say It Loud as well. Uh no, it was it uh Fight the Tide. Um because I think you guys had a song off of that Everything About You that ended up on an X album. Um yeah. at some point. Um so I as everybody that's been on this podcast so far, I've discovered you guys through the X albums. Uh that was like my thing. Every year I loved them when they came out. I got the DVDs and everything. Um yeah. and so I had heard that and then I got to see you guys at uh, the DCLA conference in 2006, I think it was. Um was and you guys played there was, it was in this huge place. I don't even know where we were, but it was like Crowder was there and um I think Super Chick was there and uh mm-hmm. Jeremy Camp in his big pink t-shirt and uh in <laughs> in huge muscles. Um yeah. and then uh we saw you guys it was like a like a breakout session, you know, and you guys played this awesome show and we had got there first so we were like legit like right on the on the uh, gate which for me at that at that age i hadn't been to too many concerts that close um but i got a picture somewhere i'll send it to you if i can find it um but i got a picture of you guys on stage in 2006 but um in saying that you guys released a bunch of uh independent albums prior to your signing with sparrow um tell us a little bit about your decision to sign with sparrow how did that come around um and um that was i think in around 2001 ish so how did that happen? Um, and tell us what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, um, you know, when we started the band, 
uh, <clears throat> initially the whole, <laughs> the whole thing was, yeah, I'm a, I'm a couple years older than Matt and Chris, the other two kind of most longstanding guys that were original. And so they were wrapping up high school. I had just finished high school and I already planned on taking like a year to figure out what I was going to do with my life kind of thing. And, um, and it was kind of, it was kind of always this thing of like, we would love to do this, but who really gets to do this? You know, like we'll probably all break up after school's over and go our separate ways to college or whatever. Um, but yeah, lo and behold, it was always like everything with the band. It was always one opportunity would lead to another, which would lead to another. And, you know, we started recording those indie records at a local studio that we had found about 40 minutes from where we live that would just charge really low hourly rates. Uh, we just record in some guy's garage. Uh, and we discovered, you know, the company disc makers and you could like send your indie projects to them and with some CD art and you'd get, you know, 2000 printed copies of your CD back. And, you know, we'd, we'd book all these little youth group shows all over the Ohio, Michigan, Indiana area and uh, sell our little indie records and, you know, save up. We'd always, you know, it's one thing I can say early on, we were pretty smart about it. I guess like we were able to put all that money back into making the next record. You know, everything was always about doing the next thing. And um, so, yeah, just always the progression just continued and the fan base continued to grow. And, you know, before we knew it, we were, you know, I don't know, three or four years into it. And we started getting some attention from people uh, at record labels and whatnot. There was starting to get interest from Nashville. Um, a big help to us was the local Christian radio station here in Toledo. Uh, the station here called Yes FM that's been here for goodness, I don't even know, probably pushing close to 30 years now. But um, so they were the ones who were bringing in a lot of the Christian artists to do concerts to our to our town, to Toledo. And so through that connection, we were able to get a lot of opportunities to open up for these artists. And, uh, you know, we would always go and hang out with them as, as much as we could, you know, without being the annoying young band, the, the annoying local artist. And, <laughs> but, uh, we'd always be trying to, you know, get in with them and, and learn from them talk to them. And of course, always passing them our, our indie CDs and, you know, hopefully hoping that they would listen that somebody would catch an earful of something that they like, uh, so yeah, eventually what happened was we we made a connection with a producer named Skid Mills, um, who was based in Memphis, Tennessee at that time, uh, through some other friends of ours that were signed to a small label and had done a record with him. Uh, they had passed along one of our CDs to Skid, and Skid liked it, and he reached out to us, actually, and said, hey, if you ever want to like produce something that's a little more professional, you know, hit me up. I would love to work with you guys. And so we... we uh, we did it. We went down and ended up recording uh, what turned out to be our last indie record with Skid Mills. And um, we called that record Nothing to Lose. And uh, Chris and I, after that record was completed, we went to Nashville during uh, GMA week, which is something that doesn't really exist anymore. But it used to be when they would have the Dove Awards, you know, it would be kind of the grand finale. But the week prior to that, everybody would be in Nashville. Anybody who had anything to do with Christian music in any way pretty much would be down there for the whole week uh it was like a big convention and so we went there with you know we had no credentials we had no tickets to get into anything but we had two backpacks full of this record and you know we were those guys standing on the street corners passing out our seed to everybody who had a gma badge on and uh two weeks later we got a phone call 
got a bunch of phone calls actually, which is pretty cool. But one guy named Chris York from Spare Records, and that's that's what got that ball rolling. Now, did you realize the awesomeness of Sparrow, like standing to Sparrow Records? Like Sparrow Records has a long history of great Christian artists, like classic artists. Like back in the day, they had Newsboys, they had Earthsuit, um, you know, they had Stephen, they had Stephen Kershaw, which they still do. You know, they had, they so had many, Jump Five. Yeah, they had the original <laughs> John Michael Talbot. They had Matthew West. They had Phil Keggy. You know, they had so many great artists that, you know what it reminds me of? Who did we have on? Who was on? Um, we were talking to Disciple, Joey Disciple, and mm. they were talking about somehow Forefront Records came up back in the day. And Forefront Records had like DC Talk. They had Skillet. They had Bleach. All and Rebecca St. James. They had DC and all DC Talk. All these great it's like a historic label. It's the same thing with Sparrow mm-hmm. Records. And as Danny says, Earthsuit was killer. All right, Danny. But my question <laughs> to you is like, you know, what did you realize what you were stepping into? Um, you know, uh, we we did, I think to a degree, in terms of like the artists that they had had. Um, and we, you know, we knew just enough like to know that they were one of the biggest labels in Christian music. Like we knew they were kind of like number one or number two, you know, kind of always them and the other competitor. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we fully realized until once we signed with them. And once we just started seeing what the label was capable of and the, uh, the platform that was really available to us, you know, it, we, I think we realized all that stuff, in the process of making that first record and the, the first couple of tours that they were able to get us on that we would have never gotten on on our own. You know, that's, that's when it was kind of like, wow, I think we, I think we made a good decision here. <laughs> that's nice. So 2003 or I'm sorry, 2002 say it loud comes out. Uh, you're now on a tour in 2003 with Reliant K, uh, Supertones, Pillar, John Rubin. Um, that's, also, awesome, that's an awesome tour, by the way. It is an amazing lineup, yes. Um, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> so you really say it loud. You're touring with Reliant K and Pillar and Supertones, and you get married in 2003 as well. Uh, so that was a good year for you. Uh, how did you guys meet? Um, tell us a little bit about your your 17 years of marriage now, I think it is. Yeah, man, you've done your homework. Somebody's <laughs> Googling a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's <laughs> uh, meeting my wife is actually a pretty funny story. So uh, I'm assuming you guys are familiar with Old Navy, the store, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so when Old Navy came to Toledo, Ohio, back in the day, uh, it was a really big deal. Because, you know, Toledo is kind of one of those cities that it's not a small town, really, but it kind of feels like one. We're kind of the last ones to get everything that all the big towns get, you know. And so Old Navy comes to Toledo. They do this big grand opening sale, uh, a big event. And at the time, this is before the band went full time. What I was doing uh, to pay the bills uh, was I was uh, delivering pizzas for Papa John's. And so Old Navy uh, makes this phone call to Papa John's and orders like 30 pizzas that day as part of their grand opening event. 
So I'm the I'm the day shift guy at that point, and so I've got to go deliver 30 pizzas to Old Navy. I drive down there and pull in the parking lot, go in, deliver the pizzas, and on my way back out of the parking lot, um, I'm in this line of cars because you know this place is packed. Like it's you know Old Navy came to Toledo. It's the biggest deal ever, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I'm in line. And as I'm waiting to be able to pull back out on the road, I notice that there's there's this little group of people that are going up and knocking on all the car windows. Like, what are these people doing? And <clears throat> as I'm there sitting in, in line, pulling up to getting ready to exit, this little this little Asian girl comes up and knocks on my window. <laughs> and I roll down the window and she's like, hi, my name's Susan. I'm with the Vineyard Church and we're trying to show God's love to people in a practical way. Would you like a free can of pop? And so they're passing out these cans of pop with this sticker on them that you know is basically advertising the Vineyard Church in town here. Uh, like, oh, that's cool. So you guys are Christians. And it's like, yeah, and like, oh, I'm a Christian too. That's really cool. Thanks so much. And so I take the pop. I go back to Papa John's, tell my boss what happened. He's like, we should make them a pizza. So I end up making them pizza and taking it back and giving them a free pizza. Well, lo and behold, a month later, uh, I get a phone call from the worship pastor at the Vineyard Church. Um, and he's new to town. He just got brought on staff there at this church. And he's trying to create this worship night that's all college age focused or whatever he wants to do every other every other sunday night this thing they called it peace house and uh he was looking he wanted the whole worship band to be college age people and he, he didn't have a college age drummer and so uh somebody gave him my name and number i wasn't a part of the vineyard church at that point but uh somehow he got my number and calls me and asked me if i'd be willing to play drums for this worship night he was going to do so sure i I'd love to do that. You know, I, I travel a little bit, so sometimes I'm out of town, but if I'm in town, I'll do it. So I start going to this church every other Sunday night and guess who's there? The little Asian girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I, you know, obviously end up getting to know her, which her name is Susan, by the way. And she's, she's Korean. She's not just a little Asian girl. She's a she's my beautiful <laughs> Korean princess. And, uh, yeah, so it turns out that her her best friend was this girl named Stacy who played bass for the worship team there. And at one point, uh, our bass player in the band, uh, Steve Goodrum, the guy who's on uh, the first couple Sanctus records, <clears throat> he was from Colorado and he had to go uh, back home for like a weekend. And we had a couple shows over that weekend. And so we actually uh, got Stacy and because she was there in town and got her to fill in on bass for us. And so she's coming to these rehearsals and she's bringing her friend Susan with her. So I just kept running into this girl all over the place. And so, yeah, after a little while, we're hanging out. And then after a little while, we're engaged. And now we've been married 17 years. We've got three kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Congratulations. That is uh, no small feat, uh, 17 years. Um, you know, in 2004, you guys released uh, Fight the Tide, which won that GMA Dove Award for uh, Modern Rock Album of the Year. Um, and then after that, you released The Face of Love, uh, which was another album I got into because, I, again, I, I kind of met you guys around the Everything About You uh, stage. And then The Face of Love was different. Um, the, the Face of Love, uh, I'm Not All Right, was, was the major song that became number one on, uh, on the contemporary hit radio. Um, and I remember like just the, the tone of the album, uh, was, was much different, uh, than in the past ones. And that was due to a number of background stuff going on in the band. 
which sadly I think included uh, the death of your uh, father. Am I am I correct? Yep, that's right. So uh, sorry to to go down very quickly, but um, <laughs> way to go, RJ. Way no. to go. <laughs> I, I didn't I, I didn't plan for the hey awesome marriage and now let's talk about this. Um, but um, the the album definitely had a different feel. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you were going through, maybe what the band was going through, uh, right as you're writing this next album, and it really did put an impact, uh, which included that uh, Benjamin uh, track too that you had uh, a big part in. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that record definitely was very different i think mainly due to just everything that was going on all the internal struggles that were happening within the band <clears throat> um yeah obviously the the most impactful thing for me was just uh you know my dad coming down with cancer and uh passing away and all that happened kind of abruptly and completely unexpectedly uh Basically, I we had just wrapped up the Fight the Tide tour um, that we had done in support of that album, and we're coming off the road to get ready to go into the studio a few weeks after that. But I actually left the tour a couple of days early uh, because my wife and I were pregnant with our, our firstborn, and uh, he was actually breached in the womb, and so we were going to have to have a C-section. So the weird thing was, like, we knew... We knew, you know, it was scheduled. <laughs> we knew when our son was going to be born. Um, so I was able to come off the road a couple of days early and, and be with her. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I came home on a um, on a Monday, and we were scheduled to have the C-section done on Friday. Well, that Monday, uh, my parents picked me up from the airport, drove me home. Uh, and then later that night, I, I found out the next day, later that night, uh, my dad just had a, like, he just wasn't feeling good all day. He just had a really bad stomach ache. And, um, but it got so bad that, you know, about two or three in the morning, my mom ended up taking him over to the emergency room. They admitted him and, and started running all these tests and whatnot. And he was there, you know, I found out about all this the next day. And he ended up being there, you know, every day. And it, it was just interesting because, I, you know, looking back, we were so preoccupied, you know, obviously my parents were just very like, ah, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. He's, you know, they're just running tests and trying to figure out what's going on, where this pain's coming from. And, uh, you know, we're getting ready to have a baby, which, you know, him being our first, we were just kind of overwhelmed and consumed with that. And well, it got to be Friday, the day that we're supposed to go into the hospital, the same hospital. And we go in to, to have, you know, the C-section done. And my dad's still in the hospital. He's been there four days at this point. And, yeah, long story short, uh, we had our, our son at 3, 3 p.m., uh, and my dad was one floor above us in the same hospital. And uh. at 5 o'clock, my sister comes down just weeping and just, you know, tells tells us that, you know, the results are in. Dad's got cancer. And, you know, it was just this crazy, you know, just shift of emotions, you know, just literally – I had my, my first kid, which is my dad's first grandbaby. And then they literally told hours, a couple hours after that, that he's got cancer, uh, you know, just sends you right into shock, you know, mm -hmm. um, they went through that, that weekend, he was still there in the hospital and, uh, 
you know, that Monday they did an exploratory surgery and, and just discovered that it was just everywhere all throughout his entire abdominal cavity. It was already stage four. And so basically they just said, there's nothing we can do. And yeah, two months later he passed away. And I think it was not even a month after that, we went into the studio to start tracking the next record, which is face of love. So as you can imagine going into the studio, we were just carrying that, hmm. that burden, you know, it was like, all these first time things were happening, we, you know, uh, within the relationships of the band, you know, as I was the first one to have a kid. I was also the first one to lose a parent, you know, and, uh, our manager at the time, he and his wife were, uh, going through a divorce. The guy who, you know, Steve Gooder, I mentioned him earlier, he was, you know, part of the band for the first couple records and, you know, he's in the band for a few years before we signed the record deal. Uh, he ended up leaving the band and shortly thereafter, he and his wife went through a split up and, you know, it was just all this heavy stuff. It just felt like the world that we knew was just crumbling. And as a result of all that, <laughs> yeah, as you say, not to bring it all down, but <laughs> you know, that's, that's where we were at at that point. And that's why that record, if you compare it to either of the first two records, it's just, you know, it's, it's definitely got a darker tone. It's, it's way more, uh, heavy lyrically and musically. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a very soul searching record and a very crying out to God, like, God, this ain't no joke. What is going on? <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of where we were at. I, I think that speaks a lot to a band that can, uh, not just sing songs um, in one fashion or, or one uh, tone. You guys were going through stuff and it shows in your music, which means that you're, you're, you're writing based on, on how you're feeling. I'm not all right is, is probably one of my favorite Sanctus Real songs. And um, it's super powerful. Um, and, and it's even in its emotion, not even just lyrically. And then Benjamin, you know, the track, um, you know, that kind of talks about that situation that you were just talking about, where it, it literally says children born while fathers die. It's that circle of life that we all live in time. Um, just very different, you know, from the past. But I think, again, it's showing you guys are, are going through this stuff and you're not afraid to write about it. You know, it doesn't always have to be a shine Jesus shine moment. Um, happy go lucky. It's like stuff's going on. Let's talk about it. So I thought that was really cool. So I have a question for you. So when writing these songs, you know, as a Christian artist, um, a lot of Christian artists, especially the ones who are definitely more ministry oriented, worship oriented, where do you draw, where do you do when you're going through those times and you're like, I just need to write a song for me right now. Like, you know, you, you know that you're here to write music, to spread the gospel but then all of a sudden you're going through a lot of crap and you're like, I just need to write this song for me because I need to get this off my chest. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think that's, that's something that, uh, you know, when we, when we started the band and, you know, really kind of ties back even to the name of the band, you know, we used the word real because that was, that was our desire as a band to be real, to just very, be very transparent and, yeah. Uh, I think that was something that we saw too much of in Christian music and in, in the church in general, especially during that time period that it was, uh, it was like everybody 
there was so much pressure to perform in a sense. There was more legalism than what, you know, anybody was admitting to, I think. Uh, I think there was just a lot of uh, facade, you know, everybody kind of wanted to look like there was some kind of spiritual giant, you know, and never coming out and saying that, but there was always, you know, nobody's ever admitting their weaknesses. It was, it was just like, I think just a, I don't know. There was just something that was in our DNA from the beginning of the band. Just, you know, let's, let's allow people to see our weaknesses because that's where God's strength is made perfect. And that's what, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we all really need. It's confession that brings healing, you know, not pride, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, th I think, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, that was just, that was just kind of the way that always made sense to us. Um, you know, we, we obviously love the songs that are just pump you up and are just straight ahead, you know, powerfully encouraging and whatnot. But, uh, I don't know, sometimes we, we draw just as much encouragement from, you know, being willing to ask the question why and stuff like that, you know, cause I, I think God's big enough to handle that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a question from one of the fans that says, what's God's teaching? What is God? What is something God is teaching you right now? Oh man. Um, you know, I think, I feel like what I've been learning more and more of <clears throat> the last, really the last couple of years, uh, I feel like I tend to go through these long seasons where the Lord speaks to just certain things, you know, for me. Um, and right now, uh, I mean, I'm just this, if I had to name the season I'm in, it's it's intimacy, which sounds really like almost like something you shouldn't talk about, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, just intimacy in the Lord. Just I just feel like God's been showing me so much uh, the past couple of years, especially just how important it is to um, really set aside time him and you know growing up as a church kid a youth group kid or whatever it's like you were always taught to you know do your devotionals daily and you know that kind of thing or whatever but um i think i'm realizing more and more the importance of just uh being willing to sit and just be still as the scripture says just literally be quiet and let the holy spirit speak to you and you know just spending time in his presence even in you know, not necessarily laying out your long laundry list of God, please do this and please do that and protect me from this and protect me from that. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but just the importance of the, the fact that he, he wants to be like our loving father, you know, who any, any dad will tell you, you know, the best times are when you're your kid cuddles up with you on the couch and just wants mm. to sit there and, and watch a movie with you, you know, or yeah. whatever, you know, it's like that, that time in each other's presence. You know, I, I feel like that's what the Lord's been showing me. And I feel like what I'm learning from that is that, that time, that, that presence does way more than my blabbering mouth of prayer requests could ever do <laughs> you know it's like that that changes me from the inside out when i just spend time in his presence like that you know I would, i'm at a men's bible study on monday nights and that's kind of what we're talking about here um when we pray like what, what are we praying about you know nine out of ten times 
unfortunately, we pray about what can you do for me? Instead of, mm-hmm. we should be praying like, oh, what can I do for you? You know, like yeah. the verse in Matthew, yeah. it says, for, for Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's the one verse I love telling my kids because we live in such a society and such a life now where it's like, well, what are you going to do for me? It's it, Our life mm-hmm. as Christians should be, especially when we're coming into prayer. And I'm guilty of this when I say this, and I'm learning this now. It's like, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And it, it just yeah. makes sense what you're saying. It's like sometimes we just need to stop talking. Sometimes we need just to listen. Sometimes we need just to be like, God, whatever you want to do with me, just do it, and I'm going to follow. Because I think a lot of times we get so stuck in the mindset of, um, I need to know what God's plan is. I, I need to understand it right now. It's like, no, no, no. You need to be still and trust God's plan. Not because you're right now, you might not understand it, but your job is just to sit still and just trust what's going on at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So yep, you, man. you come out with, I'm not all right. You come out with, with, with that face of love. And now you get into pieces of a real heart, which, um, uh, has become, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this maybe personally, but I think the majority of Sanctus Real fans uh, know the song "Lead Me." That seems to be mm-hmm. the cultural phenomenon that it is today. It's become an anthem, I think, for fathers and families. Um, and so you guys had one direction uh, where you were doing "I'm not all I'm not all right," and now it's "Lead Me," which is in another direction. But it's both being honest, both being really raw. Um, and uh, how has uh, let's let's ask this as a two-part question with Lead Me. How has your father, um, and then how has you being a father uh, changed your perspective um, in life in general in your music? Wow, yeah. <clears throat> um, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. That song, Lead Me, it came out of, you know, our, our original singer, Matt, it came out of a, a really rough time period for him and his wife, just really struggling in their marriage and, mm. you know, being brave enough to be that honest about it, uh, which is no easy thing when you've got a lot of people watching you. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it, it, be, it began a, uh, uh, a journey, I think, for for him and his wife especially, but one that we all were kind of on together you know like it or not kind of thing it's like you know just part of being in the band together and just as he was growing and <clears throat> learning in his in that situation you know i think we all were learning from it and yeah you know I, it, it's amazing when i when i think about like my dad and his influence on my life obviously as a as a father and seeing him as a husband uh you know it, it's just amazing like the things that you learn you know, both in, from what he would purposely teach me, but even the things that he didn't even know he was teaching me, you know, mm-hmm. the things that I picked up from him, just watching how he lived his life. And I, I think that's the stuff that's most special to me now is, you know, just remembering the the integrity that he had. And, you know, he was a very quiet guy. I, I can definitely tend to be a quiet kind of shy guy, especially in a group, you know, I'm more reserved and, you know, not, not a big, I'm not always going for attention by any means. <laughs> uh, and he was even worse than me, you know, definitely strong, silent type kind of guy. 
Uh, but he was the kind of guy that like, you know, you just, you knew how much he loved you, even if he wasn't the most like explosive in expressing it, you know, he was, he was just that guy that the things he did behind the scenes, you know, for you and whatnot, just would speak volumes. And, uh, you know, my wife always tells a story about when she was, when I was on the road, uh, touring and stuff, and she was pregnant with our, our son, Ben, uh, you know, it was like multiple times throughout the winter. She she would just randomly hear like the sidewalk scraping, and she'd go and look out. And my dad would be at her house shoveling the snow off and you know icing the sidewalks and get everything cleaned up for her because you know I'm out of town that weekend and she's got to go somewhere you know whatever and she's pregnant. And, you know, it's like that's just the kind of stuff that he would do, and awesome. you know that that influences me tremendously. Is like this is how you serve your wife and your kids. This is how you love them and, you know, take care of them. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you get a pat on the back about it or not. You know, it's like, even if nobody knows, this is what you do. And, you know, so yeah, so that, that stuff you know, was huge for me and, and influencing uh, just how to, how to love your wife well and, and, you know, love your kids well and whatnot. So I have a question from the peanut gallery here. It's yeah. a, I think he means Lead Me is my favorite song from you guys. It helped me, my wife, and I go through some really tough times. That said, what is your favorite style of music to play? So many artists fall into this style to make a living, but it may not be their passion. If you could tour successfully doing a different style, what would it be? Um, many questions in that one, he says. No kidding. <laughs> we love Danny. Um. Danny, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Danny Gibson, my best friend that I've never met. <laughs> At least I don't think I have. Maybe he's coming to show me where I've met him. I don't know. Um, wow, yeah. You know, that's that is a tricky question. And it's I love that you asked that about Lead Me because if I'm honest, let's let's be honest. You know, Lead Me led into a whole realm of things for our band that, you know, we never had to deal with prior to that. And that was, uh, what kind of band are we going to be now? You know, because Mm. it's pretty obvious when you look at our discography, you know, that we weren't the same band by the end of the Matt Hammett era that we were when we began, you know, it was definitely a rock band that morphed into a much more CCM friendly thing. And part of that was definitely due to the success of lead me and, you know, that, that was the first song that we ever got played on AC radio, adult contemporary radio. Mm-hmm. And the what happens as a result in terms of the popularity of the band, how many records you sell, how much uh, your financial situation improves <laughs> when you have an AC single that hits big. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a night day difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after you experience that, yeah, it's like, it can, it can turn into a wrestling match real quick. Like, you know, do we want to continue being what we've always been known for or do we need to go more this way? Because this clearly is working better than what we were doing before in terms of being able to move forward and grow. Mm-hmm. You add in the pressures of now we're all married and now we've all got kids and now we've got mortgages to pay for. And yeah, it's like real quick, everything can change. And, uh, if I'm honest, I think that's where, you know, motives start getting sticky and outside influences start coming in. And, uh, 
yeah, I could, I mean, I could ramble for hours and turn your head all sorts of ways, but to get back to Dan's question, <laughs> um, it, you know, I, I'll say this, I, I have, I have loved every, you know, I almost feel like there's different versions of Sanctus Real at this point. There's so many versions, <laughs> so many parts of our journey as a band. And I've, I've honestly loved every bit of it. I've loved, you know, when we were basically trying to be the Weezer meets the Foo Fighters kind of rock and roll thing when we put out our first two records. I loved that time period. I loved playing drums to those songs the way that we played them. Um, but as things got a little more mature sounding maybe, and as we grew up a little bit more, you know, like I, I love stuff like John Mayer's continuum record with Steve Jordan playing drums on the whole thing. Like I love that record. And the fact that some of our, our mid era stuff, I guess gave me the opportunity to be able to play drums like that to songs that were a little more that kind of feel like I loved that. Um, I love what we're doing now with our new singer, Dustin Lally you know, stuff that's a little more anth- anthemic and worshipful, you know, it's all of it has just a special place in my heart. Um, I will say though, if, if I could do a totally different style of music and have success doing that, this might, this might sound a little crazy, Dan, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there to you. Oh, I'm I would let, be, let, me, let me grab out of my desk. I feel this is going to be a big, like a problem <laughs> right here. I'm holding it might not be that crazy, but uh, I would play in a funk band like right now. I really? love funk music. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Anything with like that kind of R&B, jazzy, funky groove, big fat drum and bass groove. Did you like, did you like band. Incubus back in the day? You know, I, I did like a handful of their songs. I can't say that I was like a diehard fan. I never liked, had a, like they had all their records. Alternative funk style to their music a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, their drummer was great. But sure. I will tell you this: I definitely can. I, I understand where you come from, and I have my own business, and I'm a photographer. And um, when I first got into photography, I'm like, I'm going to be a music artist. I'm going to move down to Nashville, take pictures of artists, and then yeah. I realized I want to have a family and support a family. <laughs> so uh-huh. The kind of photography I do is not the most. It's it's gratifying, but it's not like. I wake up every day and say, how can I make this look better? It's you go, you, you have a point. You, there comes to a time in your life. You have to decide, do I want to be a poor starving artist or support a family? And I, yeah. to be honest with you, I think that's kind of what Hawk Nelson did. Hawk Nelson. If you remember when they first came out, they were a punk, a uh, pop punk band. And yeah. then they released probably three or four albums on tooth and nail. They were moderately successful, nothing great. But then all of a sudden they released the album, I think it was Diamonds or something like that. Well, the song Diamond was on it. And it was very much contemporary, CCM, Kayla friendly. And all of a sudden they exploded. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you guys definitely went through a number of uh, phases or, as you said, you know, maturing through your sound. You come out with a couple more albums after that run and the dream um and now it's been 20 years of touring um 24 different radio hits uh you guys are um a huge name in christian music by 2016 um and then your lead singer um decides uh to move on and uh i Tell us a little bit about that decision how did you come to hear about that decision um and then if you can um 
how does um, how does the new singer come into this? Um, and was that was that just easy, or was it was there a process there? <clears throat> yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess you know we we came to know uh, where Matt was at shortly after we made um, a record called The Dream that ended up being Matt's last record with us. Uh, I think the process of making that record, it was, it was interesting. It was very different uh, in terms of how the process felt for each of us. Um, for me, that was one of the most fun records we ever made. Hmm. Uh, I think for Matt, that was one of the most hardest, one of the most difficult experiences that, that he ever had making a record. And, you know, I won't go into all the details as to why that is, but um Basically, uh, it was kind of like, I think that may have been like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, there was so many other things that were going on, you know, the, the struggles for Matt between, uh, you know, during that whole right, right after pieces of a real heart had come out, uh, was also the season of when Matt and his wife, Sarah had found out that their, uh, son Bowen was going to be born with half a heart. He had a, or still has a uh, congenitive heart disease thing that he was born with. And they found out that he was going to be born that way, even uh, when he was only like uh, four months in the womb. So, you know, that's a whole nother, <laughs> it was just crazy how prophetic that whole record ended up being, you know, there were so many songs that contained the word heart and just so many, you know, the record, we named it pieces of a real heart and, you know, all these things that were, you know, those songs were all written. That record was all recorded. Everything was done before they even found this out. And they end up having a, a baby who was going to be born with half a heart. And, you know, he ended wow. up having two open heart surgeries, you know, literally within a couple of weeks time after his birth. And then uh, just recently had his third one uh, to change the way his heart worked so that he could live, um, which he's actually just for the record, he's, he's, you know, he's really doing great and he's 10 years old now and he's an amazing kid, like awesome. an awesome young man. And I'm so thankful for what God has done in their family. Uh, but, you know, the reality for Matt was he had already been dealing with, you know, some home life ish issues, which is where that song lead me came from. And now they've got a, a, a sick kid at home. And so every day he's leaving home going out on the road with us fully realizing that he's got a kid at home that, you know, it's, it's quite possible might not live the, the very longest of lives, you know? And, and he's like constantly dealing with that, like hearing him leaving the son at home that I don't know how much time I have with him, hmm. you know? So the pressure of that just builds and builds and builds. And then we, you know, go through the, the typical, stresses of writing a record, making a record, going out and touring, writing another record, making a record, going out and touring. Uh, yeah. And just, there was many other difficulties between some things we were dealing with on the label side, some things you're dealing with producer we were working with at the time and stuff that just really just put Matt in a place where he finally was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. I just, I need to be done. And, you know, it, it started off initially as he wanted to take a break. And, you know, this tail end of 2015, we were wrapping up a tour and he was like, man, I just think I just need to like, just 
stop like for real just stop for like a solid three or four months like you know and, and of course the first thing that's always in our minds being like chris and i was okay that's totally cool and we get it we'd love to do that too but how do we pay the bills for three or four months if we're not playing any shows you know and mm. and you know obviously we're our conversation was more gracious than that with one another but you know that's where everybody's heads is at you know it's like this is it's not that easy uh and the conversations you know just evolved over a few weeks of time and it just really uh after you know praying too and just asking god for direction he he just really felt like he was supposed to be done uh so yeah i guess that's the first half of the question the second half is kind of looking at the results of that for chris and i it's like obviously that left us in the position of like okay well if matt's done that's fine for him but what does that mean for us like what are we going to do you know obviously again we're all in this together we've all got mouths to feed <laughs> you know it's like yeah. this is our this is our living it wasn't just something we were doing for fun you know uh so yeah it was kind of a a, a shocking situation um one of those things that you know like i said there are so many things that i think we all kind of saw building up uh particularly from that that it wasn't like a shock when it came but it wasn't really expected either uh, so, you know, initially, um, we had made our plans for, for doing that, that fall tour at the end of 2015, um, <clears throat> having that be Matt's kind of farewell tour and whatnot, uh, leading up to that, um, you know, a month or so out, uh, before the tour started, you know, Chris and I are just talking through and just praying about whether or not we should try to continue. And to Chris's credit, he, he really was the guy who had way more faith than I did. <laughs> Initially, he was the one who was really like, man, I, I feel like, I feel like we're called to this. And I, I feel like we, I want to keep going. I want to try. I want to give it a shot. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, man, I think I was really wrestling with a lot of emotions over just, you know, the fact that Matt was leaving. It's like losing a, you know, I mean, we're, we had, we were friends since we were like, they were 16, I was 18, you know? Mm. And so it's like, we literally spent more than half our lives together at that point. So, you know, it was, it was very difficult to realize that, you know, one of my closest friends is leaving this thing that we've built together and the thing that we built together is probably falling apart. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, how is this going to possibly work without Matt? You know, obviously he's the lead singer, front man, you know, he's, he was always our main songwriter. You know, most of the songs that were written, he, he wrote. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just really like, this isn't going to work without him. How's this going to work? You know, uh, but Chris had the guts to say, I want to try. <laughs> I initially told Chris, all right, tell you what, I will, I will help you try. I'll help you try to get this thing back off the ground. But I think, man, once it gets going again, I, I don't want to promise you that I'm going to stick around. I don't know that I want to continue, you know, because again, I was so, I was burnt out on the road life and all that and the 
the never ending story of the cycle of what it is to be in a band. You know, I was pretty weary from it as well. And, you know, with Matt leaving, I, I was just, I was hurt in a lot of ways, you know, uh, not that he did anything wrong to me, but it just, it would just hurt losing him and just hurt losing this, seeing this thing unravel. And so, yeah, I, I initially told Chris, I, I didn't think I even wanted to continue, you know, I would help him get it back on up and running. But after that, I was out. Uh, and as we started praying about it and, especially for myself, as I finally started actually praying about it <laughs> and asking God, what, what's your plan in this? You know, what is this? Is, is there anything to this? Uh, you know, one of the things that Chris and I agreed on was let's not do the whole, you know, throw it out there and open it up to the whole world. You know, we're looking for a new singer kind of thing. You know, it, it, you know we had done that before replacing a bass player or a guitar player, you know, and mm-hmm. over the years we'd experienced that but with the lead singer front man, the guy who gets to have the mic in his hands all the time. It was just a little, little heavier this time around. And just like, mm-hmm. we're not going to do the YouTube video audition thing, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> And so we literally just started praying, God, if you want, if you want this to continue, you please just bring the right person to us. Please just drop the right guy in our laps. You know, it is as ridiculous as that kind of sounds. Uh, but then lo and behold, um, that's exactly what happened. Uh, so the guy who was playing bass guitar for us during that period, uh, a guy named Jacob Rye, uh, who's a producer actually out of Michigan, um, who had been a friend of ours and he was playing bass at that point in the band for uh, uh, maybe three or four years at that point. He uh, <clears throat> had ran into a friend in his hometown of Adrian, Michigan at a little Chinese restaurant there that he goes to. And uh, his buddy was like, Hey, I heard what's happened happening with the band. Heard about Matt leaving. Um, are you guys looking for a singer? And, you know, and, and he was like, like well yeah kind of but i don't know it's all kind of up in the air and he's like well have you have you thought about dustin lolly and so this dustin lolly guy uh was a, a guy who was in a band that jake had produced like four or five years prior to this uh or actually i think it was like six or seven years it was quite a while and just a local band out of michigan that jake had worked with at one point uh He's like, no, I haven't talked to Dustin in years. He said, I, I think you should give him a call. And so he starts kind of researching this a little bit, comes across this uh, music by this group called, uh, uh, oh, what do they call it? Oh, James and June. The name was slipping my attention. Uh, James and June was what they called it. Obviously, his name's Dustin. His wife's name is Sarah. But <laughs> they did this folk duo that they called James and June together. And they made a record uh, with somebody. And Jake somehow found this record online and like brought it to Chris and I and played it for us. And, hey, I'm, I know this guy. And what do you think of this? And we, we listen to this music and we're just like, this is like really good. Like it, and it was, if, if, you know, if anybody wants to find something obscure, go look up James and June. It sounds like the civil wars or something like that. Like it's just really, they're great. And we were impressed by it, you know, just like, man, this guy's got a killer voice. Uh, 
like, do you think he'd be interested? And, and, you know, so Jake reaches out to him and it turns out he's, you know, him and his wife have just been leading worship in a couple different churches for like the last 10, 15 years or something. It's just what the guy's always done working at churches, being a uh, worship pastor and associate pastor at a couple churches. And, um, but they were in a season where they were looking, just feeling like, I, I think our time here's up and they were just looking for something different. Mm. Uh, which, you know, they kind of assumed like probably going to get called to a different church or something. Um, so we reached out to him and just ended up getting together for dinner with him one night and just met him and hung out with him for a bit and ended up inviting him to come over to Chris's house and try writing some songs together. And just the whole process was so organic and so natural and so easy. It's like, here's this guy with this killer voice. He's got a great heart for ministry his experience in ministry. Um, and he's, you know, he's our age. He's, you know, got a wife and at that time, three kids, now he's got four, <laughs> but you know, just, he was just at the same place in life and was at a place where he was available. And it's like, how to, how in the world does all this stuff line up? And it happens to be a guy who lives 40 minutes down the road from us. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, it was just amazing. So yeah, quite literally God just dropped the right guy in our laps. And now here we are, you know, at this point he's been in the band. It's, you know, we're on our sixth year with him and two records and one EP later. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, so I fell off in the last couple of years of listening to, um, uh, a lot of music. Um, and it was on the radio, we heard unstoppable God, um, which my kids were actually listening to. So if this tells you how long you've been around, I came across you and then my kids came across you um, uh. <laughs> recently and they're singing the song in the car. And I'm like, this is a really good song. And I looked it up later and I was like, this isn't Sanctus Real because that's that's not that dude's voice. And yeah. uh, I looked up and that's when I heard the story. But I was like, not a lot of bands have been able to successfully manage um uh, changing their lead singer i mean it happens a lot when and i i don't mean to say that the people in the background are any less important because sometimes when guitarists leave or drummers leave the sound changes um but the lead singer to leave is usually um a death sentence for a lot of bands um and your band seems to have been thriving since then and it's just a different sound it's not it's not like oh this is way better than that it's just a progression and it seems to have mm -hmm. continued to grow and mature. Um, and so Sanctus Real is still Sanctus Real. It's just you, you continue to mature. And now with this new singer, it doesn't seem to have skipped a beat. Um, so uh, and it seems as though the reviews say the same uh, across the last three albums or so that you guys put out with that EP. Um, we are coming up on the hour mark here. So I don't want to keep you too, too much uh, longer. Um, this year has been crazy for us, uh, for everybody. Um, is there any projects that you have coming up? Any things that you're excited for in the new year? Yeah, actually we're in a really exciting season right now. Um, lots of new music, uh, lots of stuff has been written. Um, we've begun recording the new record, uh, and are, are trying to make a, a kind of big decision about, uh, the new single that's going to be coming out to Christian radio pretty soon here. Um, yeah, just lots of, lots of new, 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 and hopefully, hopefully we'll get to tour again sometime soon. <laughs> 
Yeah, gosh, I haven't been to a concert in a while. I'm excited to to get back out there. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like there's so much more we need to talk about. Um, so in the future, if you're ever bored again and you want to come on, uh, we will definitely have a round two. Round two, my friend. All right, I'm ready. Um, I love it. <laughs> but thank you again for joining us. Thank you guys for, for hanging out with us and listening in. Um, if you can stay on after we go off live, we'll uh, we'll just end things and uh, and that's it. But thank you guys for joining uh, the Four Seven Podcast, and everybody have a great night.